Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. All right, so welcome to the third Thursday Q&A office hours, whatever we call this, for Refuge. and. Um, Vanessa and I are here representing World Services and look forward to having whatever chat uh, you would like to have, any questions, any follow-ups. We are aware that we do have a bit of a list of things to get to with the board and structural things to address with World services that have mostly been tabled um, right now. We haven't been very proactive lately. And we're actually thinking that this is probably the last QA for a while. As I look at uh, who's shown up so far, the usual suspects, very engaged in refuge and uh, my sense is most of you are showing up just because it's like something to show up to and connect with the Sangha and, and kind of because it's offered, you're coming. But um, we were going to maybe go to quarterly instead of doing monthly, just, you know, quarterly or biannually or something like that. So that when there are actual uh, issues that that need to be discussed, we have a forum for it. But it doesn't seem like there's enough for it to really be monthly. I could be wrong about that. So let's see what comes up tonight. What's uh, what's on your mind? Any questions or concerns about things refuge recovery related? I got something to say about what you just said, and I mean, I, I get it. I see what I see what you're saying. Like this is you know every month to have uh, the, the same old same old show up. However, like. Um, there's like something on my mind that I really kind of want to air out with people that I know are really involved and been into it for a long time and are, you know, uh, will think open-mindedly and, and, you know, maybe have similar, you know, anyway, just their hearts in it, you know, and it's nice to do this, uh, with, with you present, you know what I'm saying? Just even as a a fly on the wall. So we, you know, start getting what we have, of course, you know, we can, uh, can reel us back in. For example, got a minute? Sure. Um, if I was to, uh, if I was to walk into an AA meeting, and uh, at least in this area, and sit down and, and start sharing about my experience in refuge recovery, I would probably pretty quickly get the hey, psst, you know, no, we don't, you know, don't just keep keep it to to this group. At least that's by my experience in AA. Um, Although, you know, people come in and talk about AA and refuge recovery, sometimes, a little bit. But just personally, right after the right after the movie, you know, there was a meeting I was in and somebody was going on and on about uh, recovery dharma and all the great things they're doing. And he said that, that it's going to be his course and he's probably going to kind of phase out of refuge recovery. And he was really kind of an advocate for that program. And I got under my skin. Um, and didn't say anything about it, you know, if he's going to move on, that's awesome. I'm all for 
wherever you can find your recovery. I mean, don't get me wrong, but this is in the program for you. I'm not, not like, you know, saying it's bad if you get recovered somewhere else. But um, maybe I just wanted to hear like what what the feelings are or if there's been any sort of um, interjection with like, and the, the one time that Emily and I did kind of stomp on this guy is when he said, you know, we said, hey, are there any announcements, uh, any, re any refuge recovery related announcements? And, uh, you know, this cat chimes in, yeah, I want to tell you about this new recovery Dharma meeting. And we just went, hey, like not here. <laughs> I mean, he didn't really know what we we're talking about. So we, we told him later, like, yeah, we just try to keep, you know, th this group to, to this group's interests. Um, that's all. I just kind of, I'd, I'd just like to hear a little bit of feedback around that if it's cool. Well, certainly my um, sense is that the second, the second part of, um, you know, announcing non-refuge related stuff is not kosher. Um, but then it's tricky when somebody in their share is sort of announcing something sort of, you know, uh, they're not really announcing it, but they're talking about their experience with something. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's against the guiding principles, you know, the, that principle about no opinions on, on outside things is for the whole group it's not for the individual it's you know the a group itself couldn't you know um support an, an outside organization or or state an opinion on a religion or you know anything political cause anything like that but individuals aren't you know held to that if they're speaking from their own experience and like you said jeff like uh, you and I and, you know, so many of us will also talk about like our experience in AA and positive or negative. Um, so I think, you know, somebody coming to a, a refuge meeting and talking about their experience in recovery Dharma, um, it seems okay. You know, like I, I understand that it stings you and stings me and, you know, those of us who were here when, uh, you know, the former refuge recovery board uh, split our program in half and stole the money and plagiarized our book and created Refuge Reco Recovery Dharma. You know, it stings because we watched this, you know, the, the creation of Recovery Dharma was based on, you know, a whole bunch of dishonesty and, um, you know, some, some very un unethical actions from my perspective. And, and, you know, I know you share some of those views. So it's sort of an ouch, but it doesn't, um, I think we just have to sit back and let that kind of stuff roll on by. And, you know, and that perspective that you shared, which is if it's helping people, beautiful. You know, if this is a person saying like, hey, I'm finding recovery, great. You know, like don't let the door hit you on the way out. But also, you're always welcome out. You're also also well always welcome back. Um, and so we don't. My own again, sort of personal is like I don't want to be. We don't want to create an adversarial us or them kind of thing because what we are finding is there is a lot of people coming back from uh, recovery dharma and coming. You know, so we want to make sure that we always create that welcoming community that says, you know. If you're from 12 steps, if you're from recovery dharma, if you're from, you know, the Christian church, whatever, you're welcome here. 
You know, if you want to check out what we're doing, you are welcome here. Um, and so as long as we're always kind of creating that vibe, you're always welcome to come back. Um, you know, I mean, I, I had a couple of recovery Dharma people uh, who had flipped refuge meetings and then realized, oh, shit, what did I do? I like refuge way better. I don't know why I did this, but I did it and uh, got talked into it or whatever. And then they kind of reached out to me and were like, can I come back to refuge? Like, am I allowed to come back? Like, I just like refuge better. And I was like, of course you're welcome. Like, you know, yeah, of course you're welcome to come back. Um, and, you know, and, and the, with those people, I said, I, I feel like what you did was totally unethical. And that doesn't mean that you're not welcome back here. You're welcome back here. You know, so I don't know. That's anybody else have a perspective on what Jeff's experience or or other experience with that kind of people speaking about other recovery programs in meetings and you know the other pieces like there's a lot of eight, twelve step bashing in refuge meetings sometimes, which also isn't so cool and kind of turns people off and um, you know, but we can't police how people speak about their direct experience with other recovery programs other than encouraging a kind of positive and welcoming vibe in our meetings. Jeremiah, you unmuted, you got something to share? Jump in. Yeah, you know my history, Noah, being over here at the Reno Buddhist Church in a refuge recovery meeting. One of the board members in August 2020 came on to our Zoom meeting. And when uh, he was, I believe I actually called on him because I didn't recognize him. And uh, he said, you guys aren't doing this right at all, <laughs> which they weren't. I kept bringing it up. Why aren't we promoting mentorship? Why are we doing outside meditations? Nothing dovetailed with the book, but I was in recovery. And I wanted recovery and it was close to me. So that's where I went. And uh, I've been getting invitations. They, they switched over to recovery Dharma and I've been getting invitations to go back and I have no desire to go back. I'm so deeply involved in refuge recovery as a group rep of two meetings, secretary of another, now the men's meeting. I'm deeply into that. It's, you know, I just found the dishonesty, you know, that the leader of that program over there was dishonest with all of us. And I even questioned whether the money was even going to Refuge Recovery World Services, honestly. And I'm not asking for that information. It's past the point now, but it just it didn't jive with me. You know what I mean? And so I'm not accepting that invitation to go back. Yeah. Makes, makes sense. Um, I, I um, just a thought and um, I, I don't know, you know, my, my experience coming to refuge really has only been like almost a year now. Um, and, and before that was, you know, 12 step NA, but, but, uh, listening to, to what Jeff said, it, it's a, I think it's a very good point. And I think it is, it's a, it is a little tricky. I mean, it, it's obvious when it comes to announcements, right? Those are for the good of refuge recovery period. 
Um, but I can see how maybe there could be a situation where, you know, somebody comes in and maybe starts talking about, you know, uh, I don't know, turning over their will in their life or, you know, some concept from, you know, uh, the 12 step that's like really, really, really important, you know, in that, in that path. And they're, they're kind of talking about this in the middle of a refuge recovery meeting. And it's, I, I can see how that could be a little awkward possibly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard to draw that line. I mean, I, I, I don't think I would do that. I mean, I, I maybe could allude to maybe like, you know, what it was like to make an amends using a, you know, like very brief kind of reference, but that's a tough, that's a tough uh, line to, to walk there, I think. And, and I think part of the issue is because you have so many people who, you know, the, the 12 steps are so old. You have so many people from there that, that have that background, that experience. It's, it's also hard to weed it all out. That's a tough one. I mean, I guess I'm just echoing this, the sentiment that uh, I don't know how that could be, um, could be done in a, in a, in a healthy way or the right way, if there is a right way. I don't know either. My sense is, is the kind of thing that has to, people have to find their own way with, and you know, that it maybe it's like conversations that happen with other, you know, community members after the mentors or whatever. You know, I'm also somebody who goes to AA meetings and talks about Buddhism and talks about refuge recovery openly in AA meetings. Um, I'm speaking at an AA meeting tomorrow night, and I'm going to talk about how I created refuge recovery because I don't love AA. And I still go, and I'm still a member, and I'm part of it, but that I like Buddhism better, and that's why I did this thing. <laughs> and I'll say that openly in an AA meeting, and nobody's going to tell me to shut up, partially because it's, you know, my one of my home groups or whatever. But um you know, my own feeling is, is that it is okay to, we're talking from our direct, in all of these recovery programs, the encouragement is spear, share your direct experience with, you know, like, like it says in our format, like keep the, uh, you're sharing on the topic or how Buddhism and recovery, you know, relates to, you know, uh, relates to your recovery. Um so, you know, I think if somebody's talking about recovery dharma, that's what they're doing and that it's okay. It's like in the format, what they're doing. It doesn't say keep the sharing focused only on refuge recovery's perspective on recovery. It says, you know, addiction and Buddhism and, you know, and I, I think I'm, I'm kind of drawing outside the lines in the 12 steps by, uh, you know, I always like to remind people in the 12 steps that Dr. Bob said, you know, that the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Path could be used as a substitute for the 12 steps. And that, that kind of can shut up the old timers a little bit if they get to kind of like, hey, you're not allowed to talk about Buddhism in here. Like, well, the founder thought it was cool. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, so anyways, Vanessa, go ahead and jump in. Yeah, um, you know, I don't believe, I, I think, uh, AA's stuff has kind of also gotten blown out of proportion because it's the group has no opinion on outside issues. It's not the individual, right? So it's like, it's become this like zeitgeist or whatever of, of the group, but it's like, that's not really what they're, they're talking about. Um, 
And, you know, for me, the, the whole thing with recovery Dharma um, and the fracturing and all that has just been such an amazing practice for me. Like, um, and I, I have uh, friends in this program that go to, go to both recovery Dharma and here, and they get what they need from there and they get what they need from me. And maybe one day I'll go to recovery Dharma because that'll suit the, where I'm at in my recovery. So I think it's just like, um, kind of, you know, you once said the answer is always compassion. And I find that that's what brings me the most peace is compassion all the time. And so if someone's in here talking about recovery Dharma and that's what works for them, why would I ever want to keep, you know, and if someone hears that and they're going to benefit from going there, I mean, go, go there or come here, go wherever you want. Like just, just, uh, just recover. And I think that's the main point, right? And we're not here to censor anyone and what they say. And we all don't share, right? I know I'm going to do a big share on um, New Year's Day. And I'm going to say all sorts of things that aren't right, because that's what's authentic to me. So thanks. Um, and then I do have more questions whenever. Unless, unless someone cross talks, right, Vanessa? Then, well, then I will I will stub it out like a cigarette. <laughs> right out. Because that's in the rules. <laughs> I'm even getting better at that. Like, let me cross talk go. Because I'm like, Noah thinks that that's not cross talk. What do I care? So, yeah. I was a meeting. I was at a meeting this morning. And uh, someone was like directly going like, you know, when you said that, it made me think of this. And I really like directly addressing like the cross, you know, totally, completely cross talking. And I thought of you, Vanessa. I think I like what time was it? Because I felt some hairs rise on the back of my neck. Was it? Yeah. I was like, oh, cross talk is happening somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) There's a there's there's an altar in the force. You ready about a new topic? Yep, jump in. All right. I do have two questions that, that I have and maybe I'll get to both, but um, I'll do. Can we have a discussion about cameras? Cameras being on during the meditation. So like for me, I come to these meetings to meditate with other people, right? Like I, and I've noticed that slowly over time, the cameras are being turned off, off, off. So all I see is like a screen with a bunch of black squares instead of like a human being sitting there meditating. And I don't know if it's because people feel self-conscious or people are doing other stuff during the meditation time or whatever, but I don't know why that has become a thing. Um, and like, kind of, I just wanted to talk about it. And, and, and actually there has never been a place where I've been able to say like, Hey, if you want to, if you're comfortable with it or whatever, I like seeing I, I like seeing human bodies. Like if I open my eyes that knowing that like I'm in a group of people meditating. So um, if there was ever a, a ballot box, I'm putting mine in the cameras on section, just in case you wanted to know, but yeah. And like, what are your thoughts like on cameras off cameras on? Do, why do people do it? Um, good question. I think uh, Jeff and Sebastian, are your you have comments on this, or you have other other topics? Sebastian, yeah, Se- Sebastian's your, first. Your hand was up first. Do you have a comment on the cameras, or do you, do you have a different? Yeah, no, I was gonna. I mean, I got a comment on everything, but this uh, thing of the cameras—that's hot topic on the streets. 
it's been coming up a lot. And, you know, one thing, I mean, of course, it's not, you know, it's probably multiple reasons, right? Like there was times where I, I hit up meetings with, uh, you know, my camera off and all that. But I also hear like a lot of people, I think a lot of the time when we're secretaries, we frame a lot of the stuff and we kind of like allow this stuff to happen. So like I've heard at a bunch of meetings, people are like, hey, and if you want to turn off your camera, go for it. Not realizing a lot of times and that's basically like, all right, cool, I'm going to turn my, my camera off then. The same way like, you know, I used to hear people say like, oh, and you know, this, this meditation can be scary for folks. Well, then guess what? That meditation is going to end up being scary for folks. Like, I kind of see some of that happening. So, I don't know. I think, like, you know, um, like Vanessa was saying, I don't know when to put it in. Like, you know, I mean, maybe instead of suggesting to turn it off, we could also be like, and feel free to leave your, your camera on during the meditation. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to fix the problem. but Can, can I yeah. ask, like, in the meeting where someone was like, feel free to turn your cameras off, was that, like, group conscience or is that just the secretary ad-libbing? Uh, secretary's ad-libbing. Okay. Thanks, Sebastian. Jeff, go ahead, jump in. Um, two perspectives. One, um, on my uh, Wednesday night meditation group, uh, it's been online now for a year and a half or something or more probably. Um, I've come to this point where let's try to recreate a, a room of people. And please, if you're not totally adverse to it, leave your cameras on. I rarely give the instruction to close your eyes. It's nice for me to open my eyes once in a while and see a group of people supporting my practice. This is a dozen to 15 people, most of which have known each other most of the time some newcomers and then they know they feel it feels like a, a bunch of people that know each other and there's a lot of trust there second perspective is uh uh emily uh when we first started here would join a meeting and leave her camera on and sometimes she would meditate sometimes she's zoning out and doing her own thing and uh, when she looked at the chat there was a, some direct messages to her some guy you know, observing her during the period of meditation and commenting on her appearance and even offering like, you know, for her to give him a call and all this stuff and creeped her the fuck out. So now she doesn't leave her camera on and she doesn't go to meetings alone anymore. Leave it there. Thanks for sharing both of those things. Thanks, Jeff. CC. Oh, yeah. Um, I just wanted to say that I always had my camera off during the meditations because I just felt really awkward in the beginning. And then I found that I wasn't paying attention to the meditations. So when my camera was off, I would continue to drink coffee or vape. So I recently started turning my camera on and it really does make me feel connected and like I'm doing I'm more engaged and it's it's good. That's it. Ultimately, um, oh, Michelle, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you know, also, too, I remember when I first showed up, there was a person uh, or a couple people who are no longer present who would just outright during their shares talk about leaving their camera on. And I think that in a lot of ways that had kind of an effect that I've noticed since they've disappeared uh, from refuge that that's kind of going down, you know. 
that's really all I wanted to add. And I think if you bring attention to it, then then perhaps more people would be inclined to leave their camera on. Although, you know, I understand Emily's, you know, concern. That's all I got. Thanks, Michelle. Joel. Oh, you're still muted. I was going to say that um, I started keeping my camera on because I was feeling like shy, but it reminded me, I just went to my first live meeting in a long time. And I was like, it's so nice to be sitting with people and meditating at the same time. And I would wander and do things. And so now I leave my camera on part of like to be part of the group and accountability. Um, but I, I liked how Jeff said, you know, what he said, kind of giving like an invitation for us all to be present with each other. And, and then maybe somehow letting people know that whatever makes you comfortable, please, please do that as simply as possible. And then kind of going back to the first subject that you said, Noah, with um, about holding these meetings, part of the reason why I come to these meetings is I'm a group rep in three meetings and I've had people say, you know, oh, the, you know, that this is the, the Q&A is going to be happening. And then at our next business meeting or another meeting, then like the group rep can tell like what's going on. And so I like the fact that like I'm taking little notes and then bringing it back to the meeting and giving people ideas like. We, the topic of cameras was talking about, you know, a reminder of not bringing outside literature when you're making refuge announcements. So I appreciate having um, these meetings and I hope that more group reps come and there's more of this kind of um, collective uh, flow happening. That's it. Thanks. Thank you. Vanessa, jump in. Um. Now I'm going to branch off in a little too. So the, the, also I don't keep my camera on every time because like, if I'm doing like, sometimes I just need to sit in a meeting and hear it, but I don't have physical time to meditate. And so I'll be driving or whatever. And I just want to hear the soothing sounds and I leave my camera off because it would be distracting to leave it on. So I'm not advocating like where cameras on all the time or whatever, you know, like there's certain times when it's appropriate for me to have my camera off or if someone's making me feel uncomfortable but more to it, like also just dovetail off of Joelle a little bit. What, what I'm hoping will happen is that we can have more um, like, like an actual conference where group reps are invited rather than more like a less informal town hall so that we can actually get the thing going. This was supposed to be kind of like a springboard for that. So I think we're not going to eliminate the whole structure of communication i think we'll only get better at it and this was like the the germination <laughs> for that yeah okay thanks yeah i i agree that um you know and i don't think we've done a good messaging to group reps that they uh are shouldn't attend this um my, my own sense is that we could actually put it as one of the duties for the group rep to show up to the world services meeting whether it's monthly or quarterly or whatever it is so that actually group reps understand oh this is part of my responsibility to show up because uh you know joelle you you understand that or you know you're you kind of are taking that on and and some of you are uh, jeremiah and some of the other people that are group repping maybe all of you are group reps um, but it's, it hasn't been messaged, I don't think, clearly that like, hey, if you're a group rep, you should come so that you can stay in contact with what's happening in these meetings and communication with World Services. 
So in the future, we could message that more clearly and actually maybe put something like that on the um, uh, duties of the group rep, you know, that it's your responsibility to show up to some of these communications. Um, the thing about cameras, you know, even just in our discussion, both sides, right? Like, um, it can benefit, you know, even in Jeff's original sort of like, it can certainly benefit people. Uh, and many of you know, some of you shared about like, oh, yeah, the benefits of leaving your camera on and meditating, and <laughs> actually being present for the, the group and, and the feeling of community, all of that. And then also the other um, kind of we probably don't want to demand it because what about when people are feeling unsafe or, you know, kind of, and that, that the barrier for them to be there is like, I can be there with the, but as long as I don't have to have my camera on. Um, so whatever messaging, you know, ultimately this is up to the group, the kind of autonomy of the meeting and the meeting can change the script to suggest, uh, gently suggest and encourage uh, and put some sort of messaging in there that your group has a group conscience about. Um, uh, Sebastian's comment, like, not cool for secretaries to be sharing their opinions as though it is the way that it is, um, you know, uh, and that happens a lot in a lot of programs and, and in Refuge um, where the, the secretary is just sort of freestyling some of their views probably trying to be helpful, but it's not a group conscience, it shouldn't be said. If it's not in the script based on the group conscience or what has been you know, encouraged by world services, it shouldn't be said in meetings um, by the secretary um, because they are seen as an authority, even though it's a rotating leadership, they are temporarily the voice, uh, especially for the new people that were like, well, that secretary told me that. So that's the way it is. Um, so going back to meetings where this is a thing and bring it up at the next business meeting. Um, and if you're a group rep, bring it up, you know, bring it up at a, at a business meeting uh, for the online meetings. If you're um, and say, hey, do we at this meeting want to make some sort of announcement? Have the secretary and then do we want to do a group conscience on some sort of announcement about an encouragement to leave cameras on? Um, not that it's a rule and you can't come here if you don't. I hope, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't think World Services has the authority to say, you know, if, if at, uh, at Vanessa's meeting, they took a group conscience that we're kicking, if anybody turns their camera off, we're kicking them out. Um, Actually, yeah. we do though, right? All are welcome. Well, Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe maybe it would fall under the all are welcome, but it's a you know there's a, it's tricky here because all are welcome who are willing to attend, um, and and actually you know there are there are meetings, um, especially in the early days with Zoom bombing that you needed to turn your camera on so that we knew you were a person that was showing up to the meeting. It doesn't seem to be as um, necessary. I haven't heard about much Zoom bombings lately. Um, but anyways, you know, back to like, it just needs to be a group conscience. And, and, and the encouragement from me would be make sure that it's messaged in a way that is encouraging, um, but also um, allowing for people to be where they're at, 
if they're not ready to have their camera on or then they don't have to, but encouraging. And certainly not uh, what Sebastian was talking about, discouraging, that sort of encouraging people not to, you know, put their cameras on. We don't want to be messaging that, hopefully. Which was funny to get from Sebastian with his camera off. I didn't know that the irony. <laughs> See, he's he's moving. He's driving a six four right now. He's moving and shaking. Um, uh, and I do I do have another question. Whenever it falls silent again, are there any other humans with questions? Okay, Vanessa, go ahead. Oh wait, I do have one. I just didn't want to raise my hand. Michelle, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I know it's really early yet, but is there an update on the conference and when and where? Yeah, there is an update. Are you ready? Yes, please. The conference of Refuge Recovery is not going to just be a conference this year. It is going to be a conference and a camp out. Oh, we nice. have a residential camp that has cabins and camping and a pool and a pond and stuff like that. In uh, it's near Big Bear. It's called Alpine Meadows, and I just oh, nice. the uh, contract for it. And it's June 10, 11, 12. Um, June 10th is our eighth anniversary, and so we will start uh, that day on on the eighth anniversary, June 10th, uh, which is also Alcoholics Anonymous birthdays. There, you know, we're just copying them on on all levels. And um, June 10, 11, 12, I was just doing the write-up today and we'll get the registration up soon. And it uh, should be somewhat affordable. I think we'll be able to do camping. I've got to, don't, don't, don't quote me on these numbers, but my initial looking at the contract is that you should be able to camp for the weekend, including food and camping and everything for about 250. Oh, and, that's and have a bed in a dorm camp. <laughs> bed for like around three or 350 um, if you don't want to bring your camping gear and that'll include you know everything for the weekend so um it's happening 10 11 12 let me make sure those are the dates i think is that a friday saturday sunday i think it is yes 10 11 12 excellent all right thank you welcome Kat, jump in. Hey, everyone. Sorry, I'm a little late. Um, stop me if y'all were talking about this before I came in. But um, I had a question about, uh, it's just a theoretical question, but what if, it's an idea, actually, and maybe you've had it before, but what if Refugee Kyrie had, <clears throat> like, teacher a teacher-led obviously it'd be you teacher-led class um kind of like what against the stream does where it would be like a book study but it would be like an intense one where we would get to like ask you questions and be with each other in a group setting um and have it be like that like intense like an intense book study um with the group like pay, we pay for it and then we come either to the center or people who don't live around there. It's like, just like the against the stream one, but refugee recovery. 
Um, you know, the first year that I did the, I mean, I'm, I'm open to it. It sounds, could be interesting. Um, the first year that I did um, last year, you know, when I started the, the Thursdays, uh, I went through the book chapter by chapter and the whole first, and I did every Thursday for the, for 2020. And I went through the book from, you know, the first 102 pages, the, um, and I didn't go through the book line for line, but I went through chapters through chapter every week and went, you know, went through the whole thing. Um, and then this year, you know, doing monthly, could do it again in a, in a maybe a little bit more of an intense way and um, a, a kind of deeper commitment to it, actually have people sign up to say, I'm going to do this whole thing rather than a drop in like we did last year. I'm open to it. You know, we do need to figure out what what we're going to do with the sort of teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't. Oh, I was thinking because like, I don't know what the retreat is like or was like, but have it be like that where it's like, I don't know, it was just an idea that I had like in meditating and like doing all that. But as a group, I don't know. Just an idea. I'm open to it. I, I mean, I like the idea. How many other people like the idea or would feel like, oh yeah, I would go to something that was like, go through the book with the author kind of workshop kind of thing. Might be, might be fun. I'd be open to it. I think it's a great suggestion and I'll, I'll consider it and um, think about, think about that for next year. I do have, I think we're going to have four so far, I have four refuge recovery residential retreats on the books for 2022. Um, or maybe it's three and the conference. Um, two three-day retreats and one seven-day retreat scheduled for next year. Um, and, you know, definitely committed World Services, me committed to offering some teacher-led things. I was going to continue with the first Thursdays. But I'm open to something like that, so let me let me think on it. Um, not to be the stick in the mud, but I, my, the cogs get a little gummy around stuff like this because of the fact that, like, I know that this program is not totally pure led because we have the retreats. Like we have, we've talked about this. We have to have someone leading the retreat. Um, and retreats are part of this program. However, it just makes me uncomfortable to concentrate power in any teacher because then it's, then uh, what that person does influences our whole community. <clears throat> so I like that we're peer led and it's kind of like looking, you know, to the retreats, but like I keep wanting us to go like more peer led, more peer led because we're like, diversifying you know instead of concentrating and so to like go back and keep doing these these things that's you know ask ask the author as invaluable as it is because you know you're you and and you know you're you and great but but it just seems like there's a lot I don't know there's something that doesn't feel because then it becomes like Noah Levine's Refuge Recovery, which I know you created it and founded it. But um, I just, I like the 
peer ledness of it. So for me, as much as I personally would like to have that kind of study, I don't know how much it would benefit the whole program. I don't know, you know, and, that, and I'm probably, I might be wrong, but there's something that's just like, if it was Bill W's and don't get me wrong, it's Bill, you know, are you a friend of Bill W's? That's how we refer to AA in secret, you know, but like if Bill W, like when he started doing all his stuff later in life, if we hitched a lot of AA under that, it wouldn't have as lot, a, a lot, as long as longevity, you know, like, so, yeah. That perspective also makes sense to me. Um, so I'm also very open to that sort of like, um, absolutely we need teachers for what we need them for, retreats and such, but maybe we don't need teachers to take us through the book and we can take each other through the book in that way. I'm open to that. Kat, go ahead. Um, well, that just gave me another idea because um, I like that the conference is like a camp out and last conference, it was so cool to have like those breakout meetings and have like kind of like a group like concentrated on one subject and to have like a whole weekend like that. We lost you. Yeah, she, you're frozen. But I think that that would be cool to have. Like, Kat, you, Kat, you, you, you froze, Cat. You froze about when you said um, breaking off into separate groups and focusing on one topic. Oh, shoot. Sorry, my phone's probably, my service is probably, but I was just throwing that idea out there that maybe like, because I, I really liked the breakout groups and I really liked the deep study with people. And like, I don't know, I just really liked that, that we were like, not just for one meeting a week or whatever. I really liked that we were together and having like a group discussion about certain things in the books and like certain subjects. And I think, you know, more than just once a year, and maybe it could just be us, but I'm just bouncing ideas around about like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and you know, but I want like the, the, the power is with us, right? Like all of us, like if we want to do something like that, like we can, we can't do it as a refuge meeting because it has to have certain elements. But for instance, like the other day, um, I wanted to do a really long sit and I wanted people like to sit with me. I didn't announce it in a meeting, but the people I knew at refuge, you know, I texted them and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing an hour long sit. Do you want to do it? Um, so I didn't use the refuge forum, but that was like an intensive practice thing that was just, you know, so like we can all kind of have book studies and stuff on our, through our networks of people that we know, correct? Of course. And intensify our practice. Jeff, go ahead. Uh, years ago, uh, in the Bay Area, when we had, you know, four or six meetings going, um, we had kind of an informal inner sangha, and it, you know, it never really was, was established. But um, we did have, and I'll be careful not to call it like a, a retreat or a half day or anything, but we had like a four hour long meeting that was uh, structured and focused. 
So it was like, you know, we went through the four foundations and in refuge recovery and did a tent. It was like pack a lunch. We, uh, we rented a community center for a hundred bucks or something on a Saturday and uh, put it out to all the meetings and said, show up. It'll be a four hour meeting. And we basically it was like, yeah, you know, there was some structure to it, but we went through the, the four foundations and um, did a, a, you know, whatever, three periods of meditation and broke for lunch and did kind of an open, you know, uh, opinion Q and A to each other kind of thing. So, uh, you know, those things are possible as long as we don't call it a retreat. Yeah. Are you cool with that? Um, you know, my experience with that, I was, you know, as you know, back then I was being pretty loose about it. Um, but the experience with that, not, not necessarily your experience in the Bay, but a lot of people that were sort of hosting those kind of workshops and, you know, were and retreats and campouts and stuff like that were people who wanted to play teacher. And, you know, were most of the people who then wanted to um, take down refuge recovery and create recovery Dharma. And um, so I feel hesitant about that, about encouraging that kind of thing. If there's a format for it to really stay peer led, because as soon as you do something like that, it's like somebody's organizing it and leading it and leading the, um, and uh, often kind of crossing into teaching the workshop rather than just staying peer led in it. So, um, you know, it's the, there's, you know, like when um, I think I think back then when you were doing it and, and Gary was doing it, you know, I, I had to say, like, you can't take any money from because people were doing it and and taking Donna and taking money for doing it and, you know, supporting their livelihood and yeah. teaching refuge recovery day longs and Gene Tuller was doing it and Gary Sanders, you know, these folks were doing it. Um, and I finally had to come down and say, like, you know, this is it's one of the reasons we had to create the guiding principle that says for personal prestige or financial gain using the RR name. Um, so we have to, you know, it's theoretically it's a great idea if we could really get together and do these peer led things. And it's quite tricky. And in the past, we've seen it become dangerous of people using it for personal prestige, using it for financial gain, and using it for the sort of like I'm playing teacher rather than I'm showing up as a peer to study this with my peers. Um, I, I was right there, and you're I, I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a slippery slope, and it, even if you're very careful, if I organize the thing and, I, and I'm sitting behind the desk, you know, it's sort of an organic. Oh, you must be the leader of this community in this area, and it's yeah, that, you can get you can get swept up in that pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. Michelle, go ahead. One thing that I haven't heard is like encouraging mentors to go through the book. You know, you do the inventory and like, that's my primary objective with my mentees is to, to do the, the inventories. But like, you know, my also my objective, if the relationship continues is to go through the book yeah. and, and read through it together and study it as a study together, you know, and that's contingent on what they feel like they want to do or not. But like, you know, I feel like as a mentor, I, that's something that I would like to do. And it'd be cool to see other people do too. So. Yeah. And maybe in the mentor pamphlet, we could, I don't think it quite says that in the mentor pamphlet, the advice to mentors. Um, but certainly in the next edition of the book, 
because uh, that's what I also do is that when I'm mentoring somebody, I take them through the inventories and then we go through the book chapter to chapter, uh, chapter by chapter and say, like, let's look at this. And what it, what is your understanding of understanding? What is your understanding of intention? What is your understanding of of action? Well, how do you get this? What are the questions that are up for you? How are you practicing this um, as the next step after somebody finishes the first two inventories um, going through the book? So um it's a good idea, and it could be clear, more clearly encouraged for mentors. Vanessa, go ahead. I have a new question whenever you're ready to, or call if you want to call on me. I am calling on you. Well, let me just say, you know, Kat, your suggestion is good, and this discussion is super helpful, um, and it's tricky, you know, of of like how much for me to be of service. I, I feel quite mixed about it. Like I'm totally willing to be of service in whatever ways are useful for the refuge recovery community. And I totally hear this concern about too much, um, uh, um, too much kind of uh, reliance on me as the teacher and not enough sort of encouragement to like keep that stuff mostly peer led. And then, you know, use me for retreats where you actually need me, not where you don't actually need me. Um, and so I'm totally open to that, too. I muted you, Noah. Your square jumped with my square. When I clicked unmute, I muted you. Sorry. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Are you picking me? Yeah. No? Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, so you 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 turned over ownership of the refuge recovery book to refuge recovery right like um so the pdf that the stolen pdf that's floating out around out there is still being floated no matter how much we say not to but why like why why can't it be freely offered um like why can't we offer a free pdf for the book i'm sure there's a good reason i just don't know it. Um, even though Refuge Recovery World Services owns the trademark and the copyright and the, um, you know, receives the royalties from the book, Harper Collins, the publisher, actually owns the, the book. So when somebody um, is you know, publishing, you know, we own our 10% or whatever the author royalties belongs to, you know, Refuge Recovery World Services, but it's not a self-published. We don't own the book. Harper Collins owns the book, owns the, the, you know, publishing rights to the book. So when somebody pirates something like that, they're stealing from the publisher. Um, and so we can't encourage people to um, you know, break the precept of taking that, which is not freely offered from HarperCollins, the, the publisher of the book. Um, if we had self-published, then we could have a different conversation if we actually owned all of it. We just own, the World Services just owns the author rights, not the publishing rights. Thank you. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
Here I'll, throw, I'll, here, I'll throw, I'll throw, a, yeah. you know, we have, we have seven minutes. I'll throw a controvert, possibly controversial topic at you. Someone recently suggested, um, you know, came up in conversation that refuge recovery, the nonprofit world services does a, um, what are those pictures that they sell on blockchains? NFP, NF. It's an NFT. NFT. <clears throat> that we do a refuge recovery NFT that, you know, would pro, you know, that would benefit the nonprofit that would support the program and the infrastructure of the program. Um, why would that be against our guiding principles? Go. Cap. I don't know if this is against the guiding principles, but it's there's it's very controversial because of what NFTs do to the planet. Um, they're really not good for the environment, and it's not accessible to most NFTs are not accessible to people um, freely. Um, they're really expensive to make, and they're actually really expensive to buy. And you would only be doing it for profit. You wouldn't be making an F NFT for, for nothing. No, I don't know that means it that. would be just to benefit, financially benefit the program. It would be a fundraising intention. So, so the sweatshirt you're wearing, the sweatshirt I have, sweatshirt a lot of us have, <clears throat> probably not the most ethically sourced uh, you know, cotton, uh, the dyes probably not the best for the planet. Um, you know, if we're going to really break it down to that, it's merch. We're selling it. It's publicity. I love it. I wear my swag. What's the difference between this and an NFT? Well, I mean, if we want to talk about like, uh, you know, the electricity that blockchains waste in order for um you know zoom servers electricity this this medium that we're on social media that kind of stuff you know that we most of us participate on and like zoom is a great example you know the 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 ecological footprint of zoom is destroying the planet and we are selfishly using it for our own recovery <laughs> I know it's different than making money off of a blockchain thing to support the nonprofit, but you know, we, when we start going down the road of like ethical, uh, ecological, you know, we're like, you're fucked. You can't drive and you can't turn on, you can't have a computer and you can't, you know, uh, you can't leave the house anymore. You got to grow your own lettuce. And which I'm doing. <laughs> Jeff, go ahead. I don't know if I totally understand completely what NFTs or how NFTs work, but the the tenth principle is that members should never use the R name for personal procedure financial gain. Sounds like it's in jeopardy there. Is it stay members? Members should never use the R name for personal prestige or financial gain. So then what if uh, somebody who wasn't a member bought the NFT and made millions off of it? 
But who's selling this NFT? Is it a member selling the NFT? It's World Services selling it. It's the nonprofit. All of the money would go to the nonprofit. No, I mean, I think that you're right. This is the issue is the, uh, because the, the issue is if we did it, Refuge Recovery would make a bunch of money. Every time it was sold, Refuge Recovery would make some more money. Uh, I don't know a bunch. I don't know how much is actually there, but it would, you know, people would make money from selling it. The, the you know, probably be the logo or whatever. It would be an NFT of the diamonds or something. And, um, and every time somebody would make money, the nonprofit would make money. That's how the blockchain kind of thing works. So it would continue to support the nonprofit, but individuals and maybe members, maybe not members, it would be you know open to anybody would be profiting off of the logo, you know, kind of owning the kind of image. That, I don't know how many people know about this. It's so crazy that you know it's like just a picture and you own a picture that you don't actually own that's just on the computer. Um, but it would make a bunch of money for the for the nonprofit, and you know we actually need to figure out how to. I know we are sort of self-supporting through our own uh, contributions. That's for the meetings. World, that's not necessarily for World Services, and World Services does need to figure out how to actually pay its employees since the meetings aren't actually supporting the you know. The organization so the, at this point. The, the conversation really needs to be split between how groups are supported and how uh, Refuge Recovery World Services is supported because the principles are, are really for the groups, right? Like the seventh principle is, is each group is responsible for its own finances relying solely on the generosity of its members. That's for the meetings. It doesn't have anything to do with, with uh, World Services. That's it got its own uh, what, uh, you know way to generate income. I, mean, I guess, you know, so it can be divided there. And uh, yeah, the NFT thing, you know, it's like, it's like the stock market on crack. Um, and look, I, I was just reading about how I guess you can buy uh, real estate in the metaverse now. It's a real thing, like a million dollar pieces of fucking imaginary real estate. So I, I just need off the planet. Uh, that's that's what uh, So can I share my screen just for a second here? Um, so I just want to show you this. This is some OG NFT, right? AA's first and second editions selling for 85 bucks. So whether we're, I mean, we're not inventing the, the wheel here. This is just a different medium. That's all. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know if it completely applies, uh, but I, uh, my own sense is NFTPs or whatever they are called is different than selling the literature and individuals, but we're gonna probably run into the same thing when the second edition of Refuge Recovery comes out in the next year or so. We're gonna have all of these first editions that are gonna become collector's items that are no longer gonna be available. And how long until people start selling their first edition uh, of the Refuge book, you know, for like, hey, I've got a first edition and, you know, so I don't know, and there's not much we can do about that. That's you know that's that's individual people dealing with it. Harlan, jump in. NFP. Yeah, uh, don't we sell stickers? Yeah, stickers, t-shirts, sweatshirts. I mean, NFT is just like an electronic sticker, is it not? Yep, 
but it's built to the unlike the stickers i mean maybe that's where vanessa kind of showing the you know cells of the the vintage big books is the same nfp is meant to be something that you can resell a sticker yeah. and a sweatshirt isn't meant to be something to resell it's meant to be something that you put on your car and is you know temporary yeah, yeah. maybe uh, some of these issues that we we have that we need the collective uh, membership to maybe vote on it, like a one pager at the uh, retreat, anonymous vote, just to get an idea. It doesn't mean you're going to do it, but yeah, might be might be a way. Yeah, yeah, it might be interesting to bring this up at the at the retreat. The board has just you know uh, we haven't even discussed it yet, but. Uh, it was it was suggested to me. I was just curious about people's views. See you later, George. Sebastian, last word. Yeah, no, I just uh, wanted to go back to <clears throat> what you were saying from the jump. Um, you know, the idea of having these, uh, you know, these sessions. Hopefully, they keep going. You know, um, some of it's already. You know, we have a lot of information that we're able to take back. I uh, was at a business meeting last night. We we're going to talk about some stuff. And they were like, you know what? Let's uh, go to the Q&A session. Maybe get a chance to bring some of this stuff up with Noah and keep the conversation going. And then that would kind of help shape, you know, give us more information on this. So, you know, I get it like every, you know, once a month might be a lot. I think it's cool. But hopefully at least like maybe once a quarter or something. It's just like really great opportunity to be able to like you know bring stuff up that we're not too sure about and you know get a, a good discussion going and, and you know get some clarification on some things instead of us kind of just floating out in the water you know sometimes we we do uh look for some some of that guidance so i just you know i just hope we kind of keep this thing going in some some shape 100 percent. i think that um we'll go ahead and skip January and February, and we'll meet in March. And then we'll do sort of kind of every three month uh, session. And we could do a little bit longer than an hour if we need, you know, we could schedule it for an hour and a half or um, since we're you know only gonna be meeting quarterly or even a two hour meeting if we need it. Um, hey, hey, Noah, in the interim, is, if there's a newsletter out, I, I really like your suggestion about making this a little more of an obligation, at least for representatives. Yeah, we'll have to, um, bring that up to the board and then, you know, kind of, you know, have a board resolution about adding that to the duties of a um, representative. Um, before we end the, the podcast or the, um, this meeting, I just want to leave the address out for the email address. If anyone has a question between now and March that they um, need an answer to right away, they can send it to questions at refugerecovery.org. If you need to get in touch with me, I am now answering the emails at admin at refuge recovery. So feel free to reach out if you need anything. Can you please, so yeah, it's ad, admin at refugerecovery.org is how they reach you. Yeah. Thank you.
good to see everybody. Thanks for showing up and uh, happy holidays and all of that happy horse shit. And uh, see you along the trail and uh, back here in what I say, March? Back here in March. Okay. Any Thanks. merit that comes from our irreverent discussion of our very revered program be offered out in all directions, shared with all suffering addicts and everyone else. Good to see everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Noah. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thanks, Noah. Welcome, welcome. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.